Today, the title of my message is, I didn't expect it to be this way. And so um, I wanna talk to you today about expectations and also about John the Baptist and somewhat of his life and kind of walk you through that and dealing with expectations. And so I don't know if some of you moms today had expectations about today. Maybe you thought you would have breakfast in bed with flowers on the tray and it brought to you and a, a you know, five course breakfast brought to you. Um, maybe even you thought you'd have a note or a card or a gift or something and you didn't get that. Or you think like, I saw this video, this mom was like, all I want is time alone. And then it shows her like alone and then she walks in the room with them. She's like, hey, why are y'all, what are y'all doing in here? But I don't wanna be by myself, what are y'all doing? So like sometimes we don't even know our own expectations, but you might've had some really big, big expectations for today. Or you can have pregnancy expectations, right? Like you think your birth, you have a birth plan. It's kind of funny, right? Cause like, <laughs> Nine times out of 10, it doesn't go that way. Or you think with children, with raising children, I did this with one, number two is gonna fall in line like this, and number, and you know, like it just, sometimes most of the, all of the time, that doesn't work like that. And also, before you had kids, did you ever see a child screaming in public? And you were like, oh God, that mom is, they don't know what they are doing. <laughs> Poor thing, if she would do A, B, and C, and then you find yourself a little bit later with the screaming child in Walmart, and here you are, you're, you're, people are looking at you. But we can have so many expectations for things, whether you're in, about to graduate high school and what you're, are you gonna do after, um, after high school, you have an expectation of how your life is gonna go. And I know I was a child who, I liked, my mom said I like to know it. I was always asking like, what's next? What's going on? What are we doing next? And when I got into adulthood, I had to learn that, you know, your plans don't always go as you think they should. But speaking about John the Baptist, he had, he knew a little bit about living with high expectations because uh, John was raised in a religious home. His dad, Zechariah, was a priest in the temple. And actually before John was born, Zechariah, his dad, was in the temple and an angel appeared to him and said, appeared to his dad and said, you're gonna have a son. And he is, um, he, they were, had some big prophecy for him. But Zechariah was so shocked because he was old, so he didn't think this was even gonna happen, but he did. But this is what John the Baptist was called to do in Luke 1, 16 through 17. And it says, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready uh, for the Lord a people prepared. So he was going to prepare the way, right, for Jesus. So we're talking about expectations today. And one thing about expectations is it can't, it's not always bad. We can have good expectations, right? We have to remember that expectation is contagious. And so six months after the angel prophesied to Elizabeth, an angel prophesied to a virgin named Mary, right? And we know how this story goes. An angel, there's a lot of prophecy and angels going on in the Bible at this time, apparently. And he, we all know it wasn't just an ordinary child. Mary was prophesied that she would carry the Messiah, Jesus. So not long after, Mary decides to go and visit Elizabeth. And they're both expecting, right? And just in our own lives, the best thing you can do when you're expecting is to be around someone else who is expecting. And so I know we can't always come to church, but if you can, that's why it's so good to come because there's just something about gathering together and being with people who have the same vision and passion and wanna hear from God and wanna see God move and hear God speak, that when you get together, that anticipation just builds. And so when you get around uh, someone with expectation, your expectation will rise too. And I think that's why one of the reasons it's so important for us to gather together. 
But going on into Mark, it says, uh, I'm going to speak about what John the Baptist was called to do a little bit more. Mark 1, 2 through 4. It says, this is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the voice Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. So this was quoted actually from Isaiah 40, verse 3. And it was one of the first prophetic voices that they, Israel had heard in over 300 years. I think at this point they were starting to think God was not talking anymore. God was not speaking. But John proved that this wasn't true. It wasn't the case at all. And as it said, it says he's going to prepare the way. So think about when, like, if the president's coming, what happens before? Police come and they're alerting you and letting you know, hey, somebody important's coming, move out the way, get out the way, we have somebody important coming. Or if you're ever on the road, the interstate, it's kind of inconvenient, but like the big truck with the lights and the flags and everything, they're letting you know, move out the way, prepare, because a big, usually oversized house is coming through. So that's kind of example of what John the Baptist was like. He was to prepare the way for the Lord, make it ready, prepare people's hearts, get people ready to hear from Jesus. And he had a really important job. He was, he did have a really big part at what, in what God was doing. But we fast forward about um, 30 years after, you know, it was prophesied about John. And uh, John actually announces Jesus as Messiah. In John 1, verses 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, I testify that he is the chosen one of God. So how high of an expectation do you think John had for Jesus? He, before he was born, he was prophesied about this Jesus, that he would prepare the way for him. He had been hearing him hearing about him his entire life, and now he's actually around him, and he sees him, and he says, out of his own mouth, look, it's the Lamb of God. It is the Messiah. He's the one. He's here. And also, John the Baptist had the privilege of baptizing Jesus. If he was a baptizer, I guess he actually got to, uh, to do that, right? And in Matthew verse 3, chapter 3, it says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So there had to be no doubt in John's mind that Jesus was the Christ, right? Like zero, like I, have you ever heard God speak from heaven? I don't know about you, but I haven't, right? I have never heard God speak. He was there as he baptized him, heard God speak from heaven. He had proclaimed it already. But I'm sure he had a very high expectations for Jesus and what he was going to do and what he was going to do in his life, or maybe he was going to be a part of with Jesus. But honestly, things take a turn for John and not a good turn. And in Matthew 11, verses 2 through 3, it says, John the Baptist, as we said in the beginning, who was in prison, heard about the things the Messiah was doing. So he's not able to witness it. He's just hearing about what Jesus is doing. He is in prison. I don't think that's where he thought he was going to be, right? Locked up in prison. And the thing is, he wasn't in prison for dealing drugs or a domestic disturbance or doing something he wasn't supposed to do. He was in jail because he was actually um, preaching the truth. And so what was happening is Herod was the leader at the time, and he told Herod that, hey, it's unlawful for you to be with your husband's wife. <laughs> no, excuse me, your brother's wife. <laughs> I don't know. 
maybe, I don't know if that was going on too, but uh, he was saying he wasn't supposed to be with his brother's wife. And uh, so that would be like very lesser of it. It'd be like you on Facebook speaking the truth, saying God's word, and then now you're in like Facebook jail because you didn't, uh, (laughs) somebody raise their hand, if you confessing you've been in Facebook jail. This is way, way, way worse. But again, he was in jail for something he was do- God was calling him to do. He was speaking the truth. It's not like he was doing something unlawful that found him in prison. So he was where he didn't think he would ever be. So I just wanna ask you the question, have you ever been obedient to God and things didn't work out like you thought they would and as you expected, right? Like John, he said, I am expecting this. And so it didn't happen. Has that ever happened to you? And I'm sure everybody in here can say that they have been there or maybe there right now. And this is a small example, but I I was at the point in my life where I had two boys and I was pregnant with a third. I was expecting and... um, I was expecting that I could have a girl. And obviously, as you can tell, I did not. And I'm so thankful I didn't because sometimes, you know, God gives us obviously what we need and not what we want. But I was telling myself like, hey, you're serving God. You're in the ministry. You obey him. You're doing all these things right, checking off all the boxes. I was expecting God to give me what I wanted just because I was doing what I thought he was was calling me to do. And uh, like I said, how many of you know that didn't happen? But sometimes we can have that expectation, like John, like checking off all the boxes. He's fulfilling the prophecy that he's supposed to do, and here he is. He's in prison. So imagine at this moment all that John the Baptist is feeling and thinking and the emotions that he's having. So Jesus' ministry is blowing up, and at the same time, John's is shutting down. And I really don't think, if we're being honest, that's exactly how he thought it would be. And so again, back to our lives, is that where you find yourself? Like, here's what you're expecting, and this is where you find yourself. And it's just a really big uh, journey in between those two. So this is what John the Baptist does. He sends a messenger 100 miles on foot to ask Jesus one question. And he says to, he sent messenger to Jesus, and he said, so he said to his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? He was expecting, right? And it wasn't turning out the way he thought it would. And have you ever thought God would do something that he would? And it didn't, and he didn't, and it didn't work out that way. And so John's not denying Jesus, right? He's not um, turning away from Jesus. He just has some doubts. And have you ever found yourself there? You're not walking away from the faith, but you're just starting to really question things and you're not sure. And so that's where John was. And so John was actually in two different prisons at the exact same time. He was in a visible prison, right? He could see the bars, he could see the guards out there. He was alone, he was trapped, he was in prison. But the other one is invisible. And that can be our invisible prison of our own expectations. And how many times that we're in the prison of what we thought God was going to do when he didn't and it gets us stuck there. And sometimes we can spend so much of our lives stuck in these invisible prisons of expectations because we thought God was gonna come through and he didn't. So a few things happen. What do you do when you find yourself in the prison of unmet expectations? Number one, we get disappointed. We start getting disappointed. So think about again, all that John the Baptist had had witnessed. He was called by God before he was born to prepare the way for Jesus. When he was actually in his mother's womb, when uh, Mary walked in, he leapt. He was the first one to announce who Jesus was when Mary walked into the room. 
Um, he had told the world that Jesus is the Messiah. He even baptized Jesus, heard God speak from heaven, and here he is. He's like, yeah, I don't know. Are you the Christ or, or should we ex expect someone else? So think about the height of that, of knowing who God is, hearing a voice from heaven, and getting to the point where you're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anymore. And so I don't know if you find yourself or have found yourself there when things don't happen the way that we think they should and life doesn't go as planned, we start just like John was disappointed and starting to question God. And that can look like, for us, lost relationships or loss of loved ones, a medical diagnosis, traumatic events. In this world, we face so many trials and sufferings and those things can start to bring discouragement. Um, I know for us, I know a lot of you may know this story, but just in case you don't, when Joel, um, our youngest son, was two, he was diagnosed with pulmonary hypertension, and at that moment, we were told he was in heart failure. So I don't know if you've ever, you know, like, you're just really out of, out of nowhere, out of left field, that um, your two-year-old would be in heart failure. You think that's for um, just older people? So we obviously weren't expecting this. We weren't expecting our life to go this way. And honestly, I even thought, because what do people say when they're um, pregnant? I just want, I don't care if it's a boy or a girl, which, you know, it's not always the truth, but I don't care if it's a boy or a girl, I just want it to be healthy. And so I thought, my child is two, here we are, he's healthy. So it was even more like of a, a blow, I feel like, because that was my expectation. I'd made it through pregnancy and everything was fine. So we have a, a big new medical diagnosis. He has a life-threatening diagnosis. We had traumatic events happen. It was crisis after crisis, a lot of really rough times, um, hospitals and surgeries, and, and Joel going through so much. He, was, he lived in so much pain. And I was also homeschooling, which I said I would never, ever do, but I guess don't say never because <laughs> that's where I found myself. It was just best for him to try to keep um, him from getting sick. And another thing was to totally have to walk away from what I thought ministry was because I was completely at home, like completely all the time at home. And I feel like I'm a intro extroverted introvert, but home like <laughs> really like just does something to you, being home alone all that time. So again, I was not expecting my life to go this way. And in all honesty, again, well, I'll get to that. So <laughs> number two, so number one is we can get discouraged. Number two is that we can get disillusioned. We become disillusioned. And the de uh, definition of disillusioned is disappointment resulting from the discovery that something is not as good as once believed to be. Cause someone to realize that a belief or ideal is false. So I, speaking of the story I was just telling you with Joel's diagnosis and all that, I had the personal false belief that things would go well with us or work out or go like I think they should because I am in ministry. And so um, I serve God, I'm doing all these things, so he should act in the way of blank. And fill that in for you. I do blank, you know, I live in this way or I serve God in this way and that you think he's, whatever it is for you that you think he's gonna come through in a certain way and he doesn't. And even when we were in the hospital, I was just remember laying there with him when he was first diagnosed, like, God, I want you to get the glory and the power, like just immediately like heal him and right now let us walk out of the ICU room, like what a big testimony that would be. But again, that didn't happen that way, but still, what are we gonna do when, when we have those expectations? 
And so Jesus and John were supposed to be partners in ministry. I'm sure he thought in his mind. And here he is, he is in prison. And he's gotta be sitting there in prison and very disappointed because as big as his calling was, this couldn't have, um, he couldn't have imagined it ending up this way. And because he got disappointed, he started to think differently than he had before. Sounded like he was pretty confident in who Jesus was before, right? So as we start to go through discouragement and disillusionment, and you, it just gets cloudy, right? So you're starting to like become to the point where you're questioning and you're questioning things. And has that ever happened to you? That disappointment sets in and you realize something wasn't as good as it want, you once thought it was or it's not working out how you once thought it was or believing something was true when it wasn't. And nothing can send us, send us spinning in life more than when we think a situation is not gonna work out in the way that we thought it would, right? So after uh, discouragement and disillusionment, the third thing is doubt can start to set in. And you begin to start questioning everything. And that's what John was starting to do, questioning. I'm not sure about this. Um, you can start to question your life, your plans. You can even start to question God. Like, did I trust the wrong one? Um, is God really who he says he is? What's the point of even having faith? Or fill in the blank for whatever question you may have when doubt starts to set in. But the thing with doubt and faith is, do you know what God uses the most to develop your faith? Disappointment. But on the other hand, do you know what the enemy uses to destroy your faith? Disappointment. So when we're faced with it, we have a choice, right? This thing can break us or make us if we let God help us. So just remember the enemy is after that disappointment, destroying your faith. The enemy isn't like on the side, just like hoping you don't pray today. Like his intention is to steal, to kill and destroy you. So don't ever forget that you have a real enemy and his main agenda is destruction of your life. And he will use whatever he can. And he definitely will try to use uh, disappointment, discouragement, and start for have the doubt to come in. But disappointment, as you know, is going to happen, right? It's gonna happen in our relationships, in our marriages, and in, in relationships with the, in the church. But it's how we handle it when we're faced with it is what's gonna make the difference. And the way God usually grows my faith is to disappoint my expectations. So let me say that again. The way God grows your faith is usually to disappoint your expectations. I don't like that. I don't know about you, but I don't love the fact that by trials and sufferings is where I learn and grow the most. I wish there was, you know, like the old thing, that easy button, like I wish there was a different way, but that's what God does. He uses um, our disappointments to, um, to grow our faith if we'll turn to him. And just the posing the question, what if God doesn't meet your expectations, but he wants to exceed them? And I know that can be hard when you're in the midst of it and it's dark and it's lonely and it's hard because it doesn't seem like there's a way out. It, the mountains just seems too high. But what if, I'm not saying you won't be struggling or suffering or like work to get to that, but what if he's wanting to bring you another place and exceed your expectations? Would you be open to that? Are you willing to, to work through that to get there? Again, it's hard work, I know. But now we found out, so John asked Jesus, sent a messenger and said like, hey, like I don't know anymore. Um, uh, should we be expecting someone else? Are you the Messiah? So this is what Jesus's answer was to John. In Matthew 11:4 four through six, it says, and Jesus answered them, 
Go and tell John what you hear and you see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the good news preached to them. Jesus was fulfilling all that he said he was going to do, right? That's some awesome news. Some really big things are happening, but John got to prepare the way and do all the hard work. And then where, where is he? He's in prison. He's not getting to partake in what Jesus is doing and experience all of this. So you can see where all of that doubt and discouragement is coming in. But Jesus came in a way that the Jews and the Israelites didn't think that he would, they, that he would come. They were looking for a savior, savior to save them out of their distress and their, um, they needed help. They were um, walking through a lot of suffering. And again, Jesus didn't come in the way that they thought he was. He was born in a manger. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born to a virgin, an unknown virgin. He wasn't born to a princess. He didn't come with the authority that they thought he would come with. But how do, how do we, we can know now because we know the end of the story. But he had even more authority than he would if he was born in a palace. But he was just a man from Nazareth and not this they were probably thinking this huge, just big ruler that would come and establish reign and um, justice for them because the Israelites were walking through so much uh, injustice. But God's plan is so much bigger than our own plan, right? Just as it much was for them in our own lives, his purpose is greater than just our, you know, our purpose of what we think our life should be. But here's our warning from John the Baptist that we can be so close to it all, just like he was. He physically was around it and we can know it all and we can be so close to God and the truth, but we can still become uh, discouraged, disillusioned and doubt. It doesn't, proximity to Jesus doesn't exclude you from these things coming for you, right? But Jesus ended his response to John in this way and I think it's key. Like the blind, it was the whole blinder being can see uh, people are being healed, and he ended it with this sentence, Matthew 11, verse six. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So right, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus is saying to John the Baptist, blessed are those who can follow me, even it, though it doesn't work out the way that you think it should, or go the way you think it should, that you are not offended at, at God for the things that happen. And can we live unoffended at God because of what has happened in our life when we don't think it should? And can you love and still trust him when things don't go the way that you think they should? And I actually don't like the way that this story ends with John because I would like him to have been broken out of prison for him to go on and go with Jesus and to keep like seeing and doing all the things that... Um, he could have with Jesus, but that's not what happens. If you know the story, you know what happens to John. He gets his head, he was beheaded, and not only that, his head, Herod's wife, wanted his head on a platter at a party. So definitely not, um, not good and not how I'm sure he thought his life would end. So when something happens to you that you don't think should, what's something you say? And, or just when it happens to someone else. That's not fair. That's not fair. I don't think that's fair, right? John did all this work. He did all these things and he prepared the way for Jesus and he finds himself in prison and now he's not even alive. But I know that's what we can't focus on, right? We can't focus on those things. 
But the way, so if it's the Bible saying, if Jesus is saying, blessed those who are not offended by me, how do we live unoffended with God, right? Because it's the, the possibility can come up because things aren't going our way or we get upset or we get hurt or we get angry. All those things will happen. How do we live unoffended with God? And in Matthew 11, verse six, it says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me, as we keep saying. The thing is, we have a choice, right? that's presented in front of us. We can let the enemy destroy our faith or we can choose that, God, I'm not gonna get offended by you. And that can be so easy, but I know that that path is a lot, it's, it's a long path, I'm not saying that. But number one, after we realize we have a choice, number one, all you have to keep continuing to do is to live honestly. And that's with God and others. John had a question, right? And he didn't keep that question to himself. He asked. And it's okay to doubt. It's okay to have questions. It's just to bring them to God and get to the source, right? Um, He brought his questions to Jesus. He was willing to work through them uh, and wrestle through them if you have to. Because I know doubt, it's so easy to talk about, but that's a harder thing to walk through and live through, right? But bring those questions to Jesus. It will take some time, but the struggle is worth it if it brings you closer to Jesus. And number two is to trust him and get his perspective. Because even in our own relationships in life, you don't go to somebody you don't trust, right? So you may even have to, as we were talking about living honestly before God, you may even have to get honest with God about where you are with him and say, look, I don't trust you. I don't even trust you right now, but that's okay. Because guess what? God already knows. He already knows where you're at. So why not just vocalize that to get you the process of getting unstuck and not continuing to stay offended? And so um, learning to trust God. And are you willing to exhibit trust under delay and disappointment? Because it's easy to trust whenever everything's going good, right? Or as it should, that doesn't take trust. That doesn't take faith. But that's when faith and trust are needed the most is when it's in a struggle, it's in crisis time, it's in like, God, I'm ready to walk away, like it's so bad. But it's again, just being honest and getting his perspective because how many of you know, the world and just the enemy are coming at us in all directions and all of the perspectives and especially on social media, like that just adds, like before it was just the news, right, on TV, now it's like social media that can always be around you all the time and you get everybody's opinions and so many um, thoughts. And I know that's just simple of getting in his word and praying and getting back to him, but that's just what it is. That's the only way that's gonna change your perspective. Putting on some worship music and focusing on him and bringing your thoughts back to him, getting his perspective. Because if you have your own and you have others, we usually know how that's gonna go, right? It's gonna keep you in that downward spiral of doubt and discouragement and just being honest with him. Um, because we all have a choice, right? Like I said, when we're faced with those things, we all have a choice of how we're gonna handle the disappointments and the things that are put in our lives when we didn't expect it, just like John the Baptist. He didn't expect it to go this way and he started to doubt. But my faith is not the expectations that circumstances will be pleasant because Jesus told us that, right? I don't know why every time something happens, we're like thrown back because it did. He, I guess because we're like meant for heaven and we're meant for it all to work out and be great. But life can really can throw us back because it's not, circumstances are not pleasant. And again, God, that's where God grows us the most and works in us. 
but also my faith is in the expectation that God is who he says he is and he's gonna do what he says he can do, even if it's not in my timing or my plan or the way that I thought it would be. He's still there and he's still faithful. And if you keep coming to him, he's still gonna keep showing up. And again, I'm sorry, I, like my heart just breaks knowing so many people's journeys here today and it's not, you're not in an easy place. And so my heart breaks for you, but knowing that it's not in um, our circumstances being pleasant, but that God is who he says he is and he's gonna do what he says he's gonna do. And then the last thing, my faith is in his plan for my life and not my own. Because at the beginning, like we talked about, right, you can have all these expectations, you can have all these plans, but God is the one who has a path for us. And just like John, he had a purpose and a path and a plan for him, he has a purpose and a path and a plan for you. And the only way to find that out is just to stay close to him and to continue going to him even when it's not looking and sounding like it should, right? So, um, yeah, I just wanted to remind us that to not get offended and not saying the offense that God isn't gonna come in our heart, but that we work through it, that we present it and we lay it back to him and not let that thing grow in our heart. Because again, the enemy's um, plan is destruction for your life. So I just wanna close in prayer as we think about these things. God, I thank you, Father, that you are bigger than all of our, uh, our doubts, God, our disillusionment, God, the question that we can have, Father. And I just pray for each person here, God, wherever they are in their walk with you, Father, that they would just continue to be honest with you. They would be open with you, God. They would begin to walk out that journey of trusting you, God, that even though the things in their life are not going the way that they seem or they plan or that they think they will, God, but that you are still worthy and you still have a plan, God, even if it's not in the way that they thought, Father. And I just thank you for all that you're gonna do in, in their lives and in their hearts. And um, I just thank you, God, that you're bigger. You're bigger than any doubt or hurt or disappointment, God. And I just pray that you would bind up any hearts and wounds in people's hearts and that you would just show up mightily today. You would give them a renewed hope, God, a renewed hope in you, Father, that even though it's not looking like it should around them, God, that there's hope for the future with you. And I thank you, Father, for all that you're doing and gonna do. In Jesus' name, amen.